In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. From the Gospel, Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. The command to follow me is the main way Jesus called people to be disciples. The same words were used in the calling of Peter and Andrew. Not everyone whom Jesus called to follow him said yes. Jesus called the rich young ruler saying, follow me, and he said no. The call to follow Jesus is embedded in our liturgies for baptism and confirmation. Each liturgy asks the candidate, do you promise to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The call to follow Jesus highlights two essential aspects of faith. The first is that faith is inherently relational. The second is that we are called to follow without being told exactly where we are going. First, faith is relational. Matthew was called to follow a person. He was not, in the first instance, called to believe in certain truths that Jesus was teaching. Now, it is likely that, or unlikely, that, Je that Matthew would have been willing to follow Jesus unless he believed that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel. Nonetheless, Jesus didn't ask Matthew to change his belief system. He called him to follow. As Matthew followed, his belief system changed. This shows that relational trust, trust in a person, comes before intellectual understanding in the life of faith. As we follow Jesus, because we trust him, as we begin to live a life of prayer and faith, we grow into a greater understanding of the truth. However, we are called to follow before we fully understand all the doctrine. This reminds me of a person who objected to confirming children at a younger age by saying, do they really understand it? I responded, do you really understand it? We won't fully understand it until we see Christ face to face. Faith can follow without being able to fully explain everything as we follow in faith we grow in understanding. This truth is expressed in a famous line by the great church father, St. Augustine, who said, I believe in order that I might understand. And this statement is often contrasted with the modern error expressed by the philosopher Descartes, who said, I think, therefore I am. The modern error places rational knowledge before relational faith, puts thinking before trusting. It teaches us that we come to know things mainly by intellectual and rational explanations. This philosophy has an inherently 
anti-biblical bias. The modern world taught us to believe only what we can see and prove. The Bible teaches us that we can't see God and God's knowledge is beyond human understanding. Thus, modern scientism ruled out the existence of God since it could not be proved. Christians are still influenced by the need for a rational explanation for everything before they believe it. Jesus calls us to follow in faith. As we trust and follow, we grow in wisdom and understanding. This contrast is highlighted in the biblical story of the creation and the first sin. It is a mistake to view the first sin merely as disobedience. The essence of the first sin was the breach of trust in a relationship. God had given Adam and Eve the gift of life and a clear instruction about what they needed to do to grow in that life. They needed to trust and obey. The serpent surfaced a doubt about whether God could really be trusted. Embedded in the first sin is the pursuit of knowledge apart from faith. They were promised that they would know more if they moved away from faith and obedience. This leads directly to the New Testament teaching that we are saved by faith. Since the essence of sin is a lack of trust or faith in God, the pathway to salvation is the restoration of that trust. This means putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the tangible form of that faith is a willingness to follow him even though we don't fully understand everything yet. Thus Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is the original human vocation to which we have been restored in Christ, to trust and obey and to grow in knowledge and wisdom as we do. A lack of faith is expressed by the common phrase which people use to reject God. They say, I can't believe in a God who would, you can fill in your blank. Implicit in these statements is the pride that I could do better. I have a better plan. And here we see the root of the human tendency towards controlling behavior. Why do I try to control things? Because I don't like the way God is doing it, and I don't like the way he's letting you do it. So I must grab the wheel. <clears throat> Here we also see why we can only be saved by beginning to trust and follow, by trusting and letting go, even though we don't fully understand yet what is happening, and even though we can't control it. We are called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Remember, Good Friday looked like a really bad idea in the middle of the day on Friday, but it led to Easter. We are called to follow, trusting that our lives are part of that story.
This leads to the second implication of follow me. We don't know exactly where we're going. Matthew didn't understand that Jesus was call, calling him to follow him to a martyr's death. The ambiguity of destination is embedded in a cryptic passage in Matthew 8.19. A certain scribe came and said to Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, I'm not really going anywhere. You just have to continue to follow me. Following Jesus gives us a vocation, which means a call to live in a certain way. St. Peter expresses it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and following. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. St. Peter is saying that our vocation is to follow Jesus through the cross to the resurrection by being faithful and obedient, by speaking the truth in love, by repaying the evil we experience with good, and always committing ourselves to the righteous judgment of God rather than trying to vindicate ourselves. Following Jesus on this path leads us to the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. Thus, we are certain about our connection to God in Christ, certain about our justification, and certain about our ultimate vindication and reward. But we are uncertain about what the next chapter in our life might bring. The ambiguity of following is illustrated in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and they all followed him. Jesus then confronted them with their faulty motives and gave them a very difficult sermon that was hard for most of them to accept. In a passage ominously numbered John 666, we are told, from that time, many of his disciples went back and followed him no more. Jesus then tells us that, or John then tells us that Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away also? <clears throat> but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like Peter and the other apostles, we don't fully understand, and we don't know exactly where we're going in this world. But we believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the son of the living God. So we trust and we follow. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 4, when the good shepherd brings out his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.